G'day, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news, workers' stories and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Radio in Melbourne with the financial support of the Community Radio Federation. We come to you on the Community Radio Network through your local community radio station. Today, we look at the Fair Work Commission's decision to stop strike action on Sydney trains. What does it mean for these workers, and workers in general? We get an overview from Sally McManus, the Secretary of the ACTU, the Australian Council of Trade Unions. Abolish Australia Day was the call from Aboriginal March leaders at the enormous rallies across the country, calling for the Australian community to understand that flag-waving and barbecues can't erase our genocidal past. We speak to unionists in Melbourne who joined the 30,000-strong gathering in Melbourne centre on January the 26th. But first, some workers' news. The Retail and Fast Food Workers' Union, RAFU, the new union on the block, has succeeded in brokering a new agreement for Domino Pizza workers. Josh Cullinan from RAFU explains. Today, the 24th of January, is the first day of full award rights applying to over 22,000 workers at Domino's outlets. Many, many different agreements and systems were in place before today, but from today, everyone's covered by the fast food industry award. That's because of RAFU action. We terminated the agreements. We've been making sure that from today, all of the rights kick in. And what are those rights? Well, first up, free uniforms. Minimum three-hour shifts for casual and part-time staff. Casual loading's now 25%. Saturday loading, 25% on top of your casual loading if you're casual. Part-timers, 25% on Saturday, 45% on Sunday, 50% for managers. That's from this weekend on. From today on, 25% casual loading. For Friday, a public holiday, well, public holiday rates are 225%, 250% for casuals. All of those rights won by RAF were put into place by the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union. All workers now have a fundamental right to consultation over major changes. If your employer is insisting that casual jobs are redundant, that everyone must go part-time or any other changes like that, they need to engage in proper lawful consultation under the award. If they don't, they could be breaking the law. Get involved, get, get the union behind you to make sure that you're getting all your rights. If you've been made part-time or if you're a long-term part-timer, from today, minimum guaranteed hours every week have to be agreed in writing from the start of your employment. You also need to have agreed days of work and start and finish times. You don't wait for the weekly roster if you're part-time. You know which days you work. You know your start time and your finish time and you're planning your life around it. Well. That's the right under the award and that starts from today. Make sure your employer's doing it. If you need help, get involved with your union. Your agreed hours for the week cannot change, cannot be cut, cannot be reduced without your agreement in writing. Your hours that you work in each day, so you, your days that are set and your start and finish times, they can agree only, they can change only following consultation and through a formal process. We help our members dispute those changes. If they're not fair, they're not reasonable and they're not agreed. In another victory for RAFU, agreement has been reached with Woolworths 
that RAFU, the fighting union for all non-meat workers at Woolworths supermarkets, will be at the table when new negotiations start in February. (coughs) The Trans-Pacific Partnership, the TPP, is back on the table. Prime Minister Turnbull said on Wednesday, January 24th, this is a multi-billion dollar win for Australian jobs. Australian workers, businesses, farmers and consumers will benefit. Despite analysts' opinion that Australia will get little benefit from the agreement, with big farmers and multinationals the only clear winners. Workers' rights and Australian sovereignty is being forfeited by the Trans-Pacific Partnership. The Australian public and parliament will not be able to check the documents before they are signed. The TPP will allow unlimited access to workers from Canada, Mexico, Chile, Japan, Malaysia and Vietnam through a visa program. It will open up the Australian government to legal challenges through the ISDS clause. This is the clause that allows companies to sue governments if it is believed laws prevent them from making a profit. The most celebrated case was the Philip Morris company suing for damages after Australia's plain packaging on cigarettes. However, other examples include mining companies excluded for environmental concerns in Canada, laws such as occupational health and safety are commonly disputed, as was the case during foreign filmmakers encouraged to our shores to make Hollywood blockbusters. Murdoch University is pursuing the head of the National Tertiary Education Union in Western Australia for allegedly coercing it not to axe its union agreement. Just before Christmas, the federal court allowed Murdoch University to proceed with the case, alleging union rallies, Facebook posts and tweets can be unlawful coercion after considering it raised legal questions that had not yet been determined by the courts. Murdoch is alleging NTU State Secretary Gabe Gooding and Industrial Officer Alex Cousin took illegal, in inverted commas, action in 2016 to coerce it to discontinue its termination application through Facebook posts, tweets, email, posters, website posts and to protests. This follows the Murdoch University management's successful move to throw out the university's EBA with the support of the Fair Work Commission. The union faces maximum penalties of $54,000 per breach, while the NTEU officials face individual penalties of $10,800. Murdoch University is still in negotiations with the NTEU for a new agreement four months after the termination of its old deal. We spoke to Colin Long from the NTEU. The world is becoming truly bizarre, I think, the world of industrial relations, uh, where when unions point out the ramifications of what an employer wants to do when they're trying to cut terms and conditions of employment and what that means, then we get uh, sued for coercion. Um, and you know, we're talking. We're not talking about people going and standing in front of people and threatening them with their fists or anything like that. We're talking about Facebook posts and Twitter and tweets. So, uh, well, core union business. Oh, it is core core union business. But you know, this was like there's been decisions in recent years where if if you call people scabs, that's uh, when they're crossing a picket line. That that's um, 
you know, um, it's okay for employers to just um, tear up the, the, an agreement that had been negotiated many times over 20 odd years and put everyone back on to reduce terms and conditions of employment. Um, that's fine, but if you, if the union alerts its members and others to the ramifications of what the employer is doing, that's considered to be coercion. Anyway, we'll see. It's in the federal court. There hasn't been a hearing on it yet. We hope that it'll be given the respect the case is due. It'll be thrown out, but you don't know these days. I mean, the decisions in courts and Fair Work Commission are becoming more rabidly anti-union every day. We've seen the decision just yesterday to stop the New South Wales train drivers going on strike. It, you know, it effectively renders uh, the very limited right to strike we have here, which is only during a protected um, action period during bargaining, virtually renders that um, null and void now as well. So there's... I mean, people might say that it's about unions, but it's actually about workers. Well, it's about workers being able to mobilise and collectively act in their interests. And, you know, the most powerful uh, thing that mobilised and collectivised workers have is their ability to withdraw their labour, and that virtually doesn't exist in Australia. And we, we have the worst uh, and most repressive union and industrial laws in the OECD now by a long shot, which is why you know, we, have, we support the ACTU's campaign to change the rules, but we think that needs to go pretty hard and probably a lot further than it's being entertained at this stage. You're listening to Stick Together, workers' stories and union news. Broadcast around the country every week on the Community Radio Network. Position has been vindicated, and I want to take this opportunity uh, for thank, to thank the Minister for Transport for his role in ensuring commuters now have certainty on Monday and moving forward that their rail services will not be disrupted. This is a huge relief. The government's intention, always from the outset when the unions made their position clear, was that we wanted to avoid inconvenience. That was the voice of the New South Wales Premier after the news that. Uh, the Fair Work Commission had squashed the New South Wales RBTU, the Railway Bus and Train Union's strike action that was scheduled for the 29th. Last week, Stick Together reported on the New South Wales RBTU strike action, giving a good understanding of the issues for the workers in this dispute. Go to 3CR's website, to the podcast to listen. You will have heard that the Fair Work Commission's Deputy Commissioner, Jonathan Hamburger, ordered the suspension of the 24-hour action slated for Monday the 29th of January and also the continuing overtime bans, saying it was threatening to endanger the welfare of part of the population and threatening to cause significant damage to the Australian economy or an important part of it. The Australian Council of Trade Unions calls the right to strike a human rights issue. We spoke to Sally McManus, Secretary of the ACTU. It's a fundamental human right for people to be able to withdraw their labour uh, under some circumstances, like any circumstances. And uh, the ILO, which is the International Labour Organisation, has already cited our government for 
violations of those basic standards. Out of the OECD, we are like the second worst. I think Mexico is worse than us, and there's a fairly bad situation there in terms of people's right to strike. And after this decision, I'd wonder whether we're actually worse, because when it comes down to it, you know, this is this is your rights. You know, you can ask a, a work a employer for a pay rise, and they say no. Um, you get together with your workmates and ask for a pay rise, and you might have a better chance then. But if they say no, then all you've got left is your ability to withdraw what is your part of the contract, your labour, um, or modify that in some way to give yourself bargaining power. If workers don't have that right, it just means employers have all the power. So you can never have a fair bargaining system. You can never have anything coming close to being equal if workers don't at least have that option or at least in the back of the employer's mind, they know that um, that their workers could withdraw their labour if they chose to. If we look at the uh, particular dispute, the uh, New South Wales RBTU dispute with the uh, New South Wales uh, government, the uh, Premier came out after the uh, decision by the uh, Fair Work Commission uh, in her reasonable voice saying that they'd been vindicated and that uh, she congratulated her minister and uh, that they were very proud of their wages policy. However, completely obscuring the fact that there had been nine months of negotiation but the unions only got to speak to the minister once uh, just before there was an announcement of the stoppage and that in actual fact there's not just one union involved, there's actually six unions involved and that there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes which is that thousands of jobs have been lost in the past and privatisation is on the cards. Now they're saying, the government's putting forward that uh, the workers' rights are less important than say customer certainty implying that the workers aren't members of the public and that they don't care about the public? Well, I actually have got um, personal experience about this. The last uh, agreement that got reached, I was the secretary of one of those unions. And so I've participated in many negotiations in the New South Wales Railways. And you're quite right that it's been nine months of negotiation. And what's actually happened in uh, Sydney and New South Wales is that Liberal government's been slowly cutting back on the staff. So there have been actually over a period of time lots and lots of redundancies. So rail workers have seen their colleagues lose their jobs. They now have to work um, longer and harder for the same amount of money. And there's a build-up of pressure and frustration. On top of that, they've divided the New South Railways up into several different parts. So you've got Sydney trains and New South Wales trains. And it's clear for anyone to see what this is about. This is about bundling it up and putting a nice bow around it ready for privatisation. And they're not even hiding that now. So people can see that happening as well. And finally, what happened was the government brought in a new timetable. Now, bringing in a new timetable for a huge public transport system is, is a big deal. They did so with really no consultation with the workers at a time that cut back the staff So what it means, in order to make that timetable work, to get people to work or to hospital or wherever, the workers themselves are forced to work over time. And not just a little bit of it, they basically get one day off every fortnight. So they've lost their weekend. They're working at least a 44-hour week, compulsory overtime. So you can imagine why 
the workers are angry. They're angry because they think the, the New South Wales Railways is going to be privatised, angry because the government has not negotiated fairly and they're angry because now they're being forced to work all these extra hours to um, cope with the bad decisions of the, of the government. So that's really what's going on. And when they talk about inconvenience of the public, every single day the public is inconvenienced because of the decisions of the New South Wales government. Where the reasons why the trains don't run on time and the reason why there's problems because they've um, neglected maintenance is the workers there are always picking up the pieces and trying to cobble this together and make it work. So all those things together lead to a situation where they were prepared to do what they haven't done in a generation and that's um, take industrial action. It's a really big thing for them to do that and they're pretty determined about it. So now let's look at the Fair Work Commission because they've not the Fair Work Commission's uh, decision was uh, based on the notion that, uh, one, they're not allowed to go on strike, but also they have to immediately stop their indefinite bans. Uh, and this is because apparently it, it, there's a threat to endanger the welfare of part of the population and that it will cause significant damage to the economy of Sydney, the largest and most economically important city in Australia. Uh, n- not a national emergency. I mean, it's a low bar. That's what I'm saying. It's a low bar. Well, it is a low bar and it essentially means that it's not just rail workers but a whole lot of workers, you know, people who work in um, hospitals and healthcare now will be subjected to the same restrictions, serious well, taking away of their rights. You know, the fact that our, our Act allows that is a bad thing. But on top of that, we used to have laws that would say, you know, you might be able to cancel industrial action, but then the Fair Work Commission, which used to be independent could listen to both sides and arbitrate and make a decision. So listen to the merits of what the uh, rail workers are saying, listen to the merits of what the boss is saying and make a decision and it'll all be over. What the workers have lost is not only their right to strike, but um, Fair Work Commission isn't allowed to arbitrate the dispute on its merits either. So what's left for the workers? What's left for them? They've, They've lost both things because our laws have taken those away. Now they're meant to go back to the bargaining table without... You know, any lever or any threat, you know, at least for the next six weeks anyway. So, I mean, in that situation, you're basically putting workers at such a disadvantage, it's not funny, and we'll continue to see record low wage growth if that, if that, if it remains so. You've been uh, pushing the notion, and uh, it's readily accepted, that, uh, uh, the rules are broken. The only time you can take legal protected action in our system, it's a bit like tomorrow we're having this, you know, super blue blood moon that only happens once every 150 years. It's a bit like that with enterprise bargaining. You can only uh, take legal action when your enterprise agreement expires. So for most people, that's every three years. You can only do it after you've uh, tried to bargain in good faith. You can only do it after you go through a whole ballot of all of the workers run by the Electoral Commission. You can then only do it if you um, give uh, uh, 72 hours clear notice. You can then only do it if you're taking action over, um, over you know, certain things that are allowed. Like, for example, you could not take strike action over privatisation. That would be illegal. Could not take strike action over the use of labour hire. That's now illegal. So there's so many restrictions and so many hurdles that it's like, on one hand, um, you know, the, the neoliberals say that they, they, they don't like regulation and they don't like red tape, except when it comes to workers' rights, they love it. The, the one point where workers 
can um, take their conditions and wages forward. They want it over-regulated and they want it as onerous and harsh as possible. It's fascinating, isn't it, that uh, the New South Wales uh, 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 Rail uh, Union actually did everything right? Oh, they ticked every single box. Every single box. You know, they made sure that they did absolutely everything, followed every rule, yet still they can't take industrial action. Yeah. If those workers did now, um, each of them would be up for a fine of over um, $12,000 and the union for a fine of over $60,000 for each instance. So this is just a means of sending unions broke. So it's a big decision like for people to decide to, um, to break a law and each of those workers, $12,600 you know, each, those, those, are, those are big decisions. Like you're already losing out by going on strike because you don't get paid. Yeah. That's right. Uh, and uh, there will be an appeal? Uh, probably not. The law is actually quite clear on this point. There's been a few other instances. They just haven't been as high profile where the Commission's done this. One that was high profile was when um, Alan Joyce grounded the uh, Qantas mm. fleet. That's employer industrial action. He did that deliberately to use these um, parts of the um, Act, which means that you know, because it was causing all this damage, which he chose to do, they had to um, cancel um, the TWUs and the pilots' industrial action. And do you know what the pilots' industrial action was? Wearing red ties. Wow. So all of that got cancelled. In that circumstance, it goes to arbitration, but not on its merits, not by listening to both sides. They basically keep the status quo. So, you know, workers who are trying to negotiate better, um, better job security provisions... All of that came to nothing because of um, that manoeuvre by Qantas. Can I ask you what uh, you think is going to happen now? Well, there's a six-week cooling-off period, well, so-called cooling-off period. It's been suspended for six weeks. So um, I, I know that the unions are off, um, uh, you know, uh, taking the offer to, to workers and it'll be up to, you know, the workers there to decide whether or not um, they want to accept it or whether or not they want to wait um, six weeks and uh, have another go. Mm. Now, um, just to follow, this is just one of the th- large issues that are going on at the moment uh, and there's a group, groups of skilled long-term workers, intelligent people who have been uh, face-to-face with uh, what's going on in this damaged uh, working environment at the moment. So, for example, at Oakey North, as well as down at uh, SO Longford, these people are intelligent, uh, clear-thinking people who have very uh, high skills, labour. They're talking about how they're fighting a battle for their children. That's how serious this is. Well, we all feel like that. That, that, that they're all of those instances you talked about. One um, is by Glencore, they've locked out. So it's employer industrial action, locked out 180 workers for 200 days. Now, the, the Fair Work Commission isn't rushing in to cancel that, are they? No. Because they can't under our laws. So that's about labour hire and, uh, and over in WA... Also, um, there's workers over there where their EBA has been cancelled. So, I mean, there's our system's very broken. 80 years of mining, 230 years of resistance. Yes. We will never go away. Of the many attempted systematic genocide, massacres, stealing our kids, we're still here. You failed Australia. You failed at everything. You couldn't kill us off. 
You're listening to Stick Together, Union News, Worker Stories, Social Justice Issues. We're listening to chanters making their way down the streets of Melbourne on January the 26th after the official Australian Day march. Thousands and thousands of people came out calling for an end of the whitewash that has removed the word invasion from our colonial past. We spoke to some unionists before they joined the rally at Victorian Parliament I'm Steps. I'm from Stick Together and I was just wondering why you think it's important to have a union contingent on this day. Because the workers' movement needs to um, come together with the Indigenous people in the fight. The, we have had um, 230 years of this. The union movement has historically both good and bad in our history and we've got to build on the good, not the bad. And the good is, is coming together um, with the First Nation not being played against them. Significance of this day is really about the history of Australia and the exploitation of Aboriginal people. And as, uh, as workers, Australia was founded on the slave and free labour of Aboriginal people. So this is part of a, of a bigger fight for equality. The reason I'm at an Invasion Day rally at all is, you know, to be honest, because I don't want to be part of a white colonialist country. Now, you know, I'm not doing a poor fellow me white man thing, but I just don't want to be part of an oppressive class. And that's all there is to it. Just say the majority of Australians did actually decide that uh, racist policies were represented by Australia Day and that we needed to improve. What sort of Australia do you think we'd have? Um, a fairer, more balanced um, Australia that catered for everyone. Well, I've, I've been a long-term union movement member, activist, uh, official at one stage. Uh, I believe for the ETU? Yeah, yeah, in the past. Uh, uh, but uh, I believe that uh, all these issues are union business. You know, the peace issues, Indigenous issues, gay issues. Uh, we, we need to be involved. We are or should represent the large percentage of the Australian working class, but uh, we have to represent them on every issue. You know? um, the, the issue of uh, Australia Day, it's, a, it's an affront to anybody who thinks it through, uh, the fact that we still have it on the 26th of January. Uh, and uh, it's very pleasing to me to see uh, the numbers growing, the people who are, who are coming around on that idea, that, and what they've accepted for a long time uh, within the within the unionised workforce. There are still many who take the traditional view that um, the day shouldn't be changed, that Aboriginals have nothing to, re um, to uh, complain about. But more and more are coming around, more and more uh, are stopping to think and realise that uh, we can't have a society that's just and looks after trade unions without looking after everybody. That's it for Stick Together. Thanks to you for listening. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there's a union for you. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Until next time, stick together. Thank you.